You are about to witness history in the... The Outline World Dispatch. Monday, May 1st, 2017. I'm Adrian Jeffries. On the dispatch today, I speak to a deep learning expert about what went wrong with FaceApp. A lot of researchers feel like I'm not doing anything subjective. I'm building a completely objective system. Andy Martino speaks to Redditors about net neutrality. Uh, there's a lot of internal conflict. And we look at the anti-consumerist response to haul videos. Well, I'm not gonna haul, I'm not gonna haul. Here's the dispatch. The future. You've probably seen FaceApp, the viral photo filter that makes people look young or old or like another gender. It also offered an option to make the photo, quote, hot, which in practice just made everyone look white. The CEO blamed the data used to train the FaceApp neural network. So where did this training data come from? And how did it end up racist? I called a machine learning consultant to find out. Uh, my name is Adam Getchy. Ooh, I definitely would have gotten that wrong. Yeah, it's, it's literally impossible to get from the <laughs> spelling, so that's not your fault. Adam has also used one of these open source data sets, one called Labeled Faces in the Wild, which is 13,000 photos of celebrities. He used that data set to build his own facial recognition system. For a regular listener, what are some apps that maybe they've run across or some programs they've seen that probably use deep learning? Um, at this point, pretty much anything that Google produces uses deep learning behind the scenes. Uh, when you use Google image search um, it, and you search for something in your photos, it uses deep learning to find um, like if you search for a zebra, it'll show you pictures of zebras. It uses deep learning to scan your images to find what's in your images. When you go on uh, Facebook and you upload a picture, it will scan all your photos and look for the faces that are in those photos. Um, and then we'll suggest to you, hey, do you want to tag your friend? Uh, that's all using deep learning as well. So the one thing that's consistent, though, is that these systems need lots of inputs in order to learn. Yeah, the difference between a really good deep learning system is how much data you have. The, the more data you have, the better the results will be and the more consistent you'll get the right answer compared to less data. So recently there was this app that got really popular called FaceApp and it lets you put fun filters over your photos and one of them was called a hotness filter. And what it ended up doing was basically making people look more white and European. It was lightening skin tone. It was making people's eyes look round. And when... The company had this brought to their attention. They said, we had bias in our training data, and the system is based on a neural network, and we're, we're fixing it. About how much training data would you need to do an app like that, and where would you get it? Yeah, that's a great question. For an app like that, you're usually talking uh, at a minimum of like 10,000 pictures, but the better uh, it, it would be better if you had more pictures to, to work from images of faces, like hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. And typically, um, when you're building an application like this, especially if you're a startup, getting the data is the hardest part. So usually, they'll go to data sets that researchers provide. So you'll grab as many of those pre-existing data sets as you can, and then you'll probably crawl the web or crawl whatever data, whatever data you can find to augment that data to build as big a data set as you can find. And of course, that means that whatever the distribution of faces is in that data is what's going to end up in your system. So if you're grabbing data from the web, you might accidentally scrape up some opinions from people that are 
maybe not considered the most progressive and social. Yeah, definitely. Like to give you a a less controversial example, I built a face recognition system one time and I used the uh, data set called labeled faces in the wild, which a lot of researchers use. And it uses pictures of adults that um, researchers have grabbed from the web. It has about 13,000 images. And when I built the system, it, it worked really well and got a really high accuracy. But as soon as I tried it on pictures of my kids, it didn't work at all because it had never seen a child before. So it couldn't tell children apart. Um, and that's the same problem that will happen if you train a, a system on, you know, weighted towards one race or weighted towards one ethnicity. Um, you'll get the same result where the system uh, just replicates whatever patterns you've given it. Right. And there was this study that came out that found um, a lot of inherent bias in some of these machine learning based algorithms like natural language processing algorithms were associating European names with more positive adjectives and things like that. How do you how do you account for something like that? that that's a really good question. It's very controversial in the machine learning community because a lot of researchers feel like I'm not doing anything subjective. I'm building a completely objective system that's just math, that just runs through data and perfectly replicates whatever data you feed into it. But the the end result is what you describe, where the most data that exists is what's on the web, so that's where you grab the data from. So then the systems you build are going to replicate the patterns in that data. And I don't think anybody's quite figured out exactly how to solve that problem. Um, it's something that I think we have to figure out over the next couple of years as these systems become uh, used more widely. Thank you so much again. Yep, thank you. Power. As we reported last week on this show, FCC Chairman Ajit Pai has announced his plan to roll back Obama-era net neutrality protections. Now, some Trump supporters on Reddit are having a hard time supporting the president's FCC appointee. Andy Martino reported on this. Hi, Andy. Hi, Adrian. So you talked to some people on pro-Trump subreddits about net neutrality, which is the principle that all the content on the internet should be treated the same, um, that no content should be given priority over anything else or be more expensive than anything else. I did. And it's an interesting conflict for pro-Trump Reddit users because Reddit has typically been a space where people, users believe strongly in internet freedom and are very pro-net neutrality. And so when you combine that with this steadfast support for Trump and Trump's Reddit community, which is just one R the Donald uh, subreddit, has more than 400,000 subscribers. There are plenty of spinoffs, one called Ask the Donald, which is 17,000. This is his big community and was his big community of online support during the election. So now that he's governing and he's doing something friendly to big business, uh, there's a lot of internal conflict, uh, not just among users of these Trump pro-Trump subreddits, but even like inside these people who are like, oh, I like Trump, but I'm pro-net neutrality. So it's an interesting thing where they're being forced to pick a side. Am I going to support the president who I like or am I going to support the principle of net neutrality? Right. And how c- connected is Trump to this policy? Well, Trump tends to call the internet cyber sometimes, <laughs> so I don't think that if you were to sit him down and, and ask him to explain what net neutrality is, that he would necessarily 
be able to get into the weeds. That's just my suspicion. Uh, but he did appoint the head of the FCC, Ajit Pai, who is a former Verizon lawyer, who is very friendly to pro-business. So it's really just a matter of, like with so many things, Adrian, Trump does not have any idea what the hell he's doing. So he puts people in place who are doing something evil and just lets them do it. And this would be another example of that. Right. So uh, what did some of these people tell you? Well, one one uh, user told me to go blow a goat, uh, Adrian, but <laughs> the uh, general <laughs> responses that I got uh, were serious and nuanced. Uh, these are, can be ugly places, these Trump subreddits, with a lot of vulgarity, a lot of misogyny and racism. But on an issue like net neutrality, I found, just like on uh, we did something similar about the Syria bombing a couple of weeks ago, Trump supporters were really interested in sharing their nuanced thoughts. So uh, one user uh, told me uh, that uh, they don't support uh, the repeal of net neutrality. Uh, Quote, it's so incredibly infuriating when these companies continue to be able to push their customers around. There's a lot of reasons why I supported Trump, but this is definitely not one of them. End quote. Another user, Fatima underscore Spanky, said in a DM, Uh, Quote, I don't believe the GOP actually cares about free market principles, which dictate strong competition, end quote. So then I asked this user, well, do you think that Trump is is going to be independent of of the Republican Party's pro-business stance? And the response I got back was uh, that he did not think Trump was going to be independent. And this was the user who told me that he was, quote, definitely feeling some regret uh, about his vote for Trump in general. So there's this sense that Trump was a populist during the election Net neutrality is many things, but it's seen as a populist issue in, in many quarters. So this is one of those times when that populist base is starting to feel a little bit betrayed and expressing regret even in some cases for the vote for Trump himself. Andy, thank you so much. Okay. Culture. You've probably seen a hall video. That's H-A-U-L. So today I'm going to be doing a huge spring haul. So first place I went to is Victoria's Secret. So let's look at what I got. So I got a bunch of new clothes and stuff like that, and I just wanted to show you in a good old-fashioned YouTube haul. A YouTuber sits in front of their camera, showing off the fabulous products they've brought back on a recent shopping trip. To share with you some of the um, clothing bits and pieces that I've picked up recently. But have you heard of anti-haul videos? This week, I edited a piece by Maureen Kasana about a trend that has popped up in response to the tendency to glorify buying stuff. For those of you who don't know what an anti-haul video is, it's basically a video going through a bunch of hyped up products that I won't be purchasing, so that's where the name anti-haul comes from. YouTuber Kimberly Clark did her first anti-haul video back in 2015, a 24-minute long video titled, What I'm Not Gonna Buy, Holiday 2015. Kimberly. It begins with a dolled-up Clark, jingling a bell and rolling her eyes. She goes through a list of 14 beauty products she intends on never buying because, she said, they're overpriced and useless. This includes NARS Cheek Palette for $69, a Marc Jacobs eyeshadow set for $99, and an Urban Decay Palette for $60. I really think that, like, because I'm not getting all this stuff, it's making the things that I have or have purchased feel more special. The more shit that I accumulate, the like harder it is for me to actually remember to use things and like The video was an early hit in the genre. Since then, YouTubers have picked up on the trend. 
There are more than 850,000 of these anti-haul videos on YouTube now. They're usually somewhere between 12 and 20 minutes long and involve a vlogger explaining a list of things they don't plan to buy, the prices of those things, and the reasoning behind the choice not to buy them. Today I'm doing an anti-haul. This is a series that's started by another YouTuber. Um, her name is Kimberly Clark. And I've just never bought a super expensive designer purse because every time that I think about that money, I'm just thinking, think of all the other cool things that you could do with that. These videos show consumers talking about why they haven't bought something while detailing the exorbitant prices. It's a persuasive way of showing how expensive and pointless some of these products are especially in the makeup community. Items are critically evaluated beyond the clamor and glamor of the hype economy. And the verdict? You don't need most of the stuff marketed to you. Well, I'm not gonna haul, I'm not gonna haul, I'm not gonna spend no coins. This may be a generational thing. Retail industry research shows that the millennial generation is more interested in paying for experiences than for stuff, suggesting that materialism is kind of out of style. Meanwhile, home organizing consultant Marie Kondo's KonMari methodology, which advocates throwing things away, went viral across the globe. So safe to assume I am a crazy tithing fanatic. <laughs> it makes sense, after all. A generation that spent its childhood in the recession, entered a vicious job market, and tries to survive under the weight of staggering student debt isn't really interested in emptying its wallet. You don't need to build a collection of highlights. I'm not gonna buy it. It's just ridiculous. It's $40 for, what, the hype. Anti-haul videos understand that. That concludes The Dispatch. I'm Adrian Jeffries, till tomorrow.